Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 16th of September. Tens of thousands of mourners are continuing to line up to see Queen Elizabeth II's coffin, which is lying in state at Westminster, with the queue snaking kilometres through London. These mourners telling Channel 7 waiting hours to say their final goodbyes and pay respects to the late monarch was worth it. I think it's very important to be a citizen here and to pay respects to somebody that's meant so much to so many people. Almost a second mother. I think she's, you know, you've got your mother, you feel the same way about, you know, you don't know her, but you feel you know her. I think it was really nice because you're all kind of going through it together. Quite overpowering, actually. And to think that that's the last time, well, we didn't see her, but it was lovely. Westminster Hall will remain open to the public until Her Majesty's funeral on Monday. Meantime, the Prince and Princess of Wales, William and Catherine, travelled to Norfolk to visit the royal family's Sandringham estate to see some of the tributes left by well-wishers. Prince William speaking candidly with locals, admitting that walking behind his grandmother's coffin yesterday was challenging and brought back memories of his late mother's funeral 25 years ago. While the Queen's daughter, Princess Anne, greeted members of the public in Scotland. Our Prime Minister, Governor-General and 10 everyday Australians are now on their way to the UK for the Queen's funeral on Monday. Anthony Albanese boarded an Air Force plane at Sydney Airport overnight along with the Governor-General David Hurley. Australian of the Year Dylan Orcott also joined the PM while Australian horse trainer Gay Waterhouse managed to secure a spot on the plane after notifying the Prime Minister's office she couldn't get a commercial flight. The Prime Minister says it is clear there is great respect for the late monarch across Australia. For all of our lifetimes, Queen Elizabeth is the only head of state that we have known. And in a time of enormous change, a constant reassuring presence has been Queen Elizabeth II, a life of service. While horse trainer Chris Waller will no longer attend the Queen's funeral after revealing an immediate family member has tested positive to COVID-19. In other news this Friday morning, one of the greatest ever tennis players has announced his retirement. Roger Federer took to social media overnight, breaking the news to fans in a statement after more than 20 years playing professional tennis. He finishes with 20 Grand Slam titles, six of those he won at the Australian Open. And we'll have more on the big announcement shortly in Sport with Brett. To New South Wales now and more bombshell evidence at the inquest into alleged Sydney fraudster Melissa Caddick. Yesterday it was revealed police considered a bizarre experiment involving dead pigs and running shoes in a bid to try and work out what happened to the 49-year-old and how her detached foot ended up on a beach. Our reporter Michaela Savage has the details from Sydney. Yeah, that's right, Tash. The inquest has been investigating what happened to the alleged fraudster. She went missing from her Dover Heights home in Sydney in late 2020 with her decomposing foot inside a jogging shoe washing up on a New South Wales beach three months later. Ms Caddick is suspected to be dead. Although forensic investigators don't know how her foot became detached from the rest of her body, in an effort to find out, police had considered carrying out a weird experiment where they planned to get dead pigs, put running shoes on them and throw them 
them into the ocean with tracking devices. They hoped it'd provide information about shark behaviours, although it doesn't look like the plan ever came to fruition. While the court also heard police notes contain information that Ms Caddick had insurance policies in place, providing cover in the event of her suicide. The inquest will continue today. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Happy Friday, and it's certainly a happy Friday for Meyer, a business many thought belonged in the past has delivered a big improvement in sales and profit. It's harsh. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday for my shareholders too. As you say, uh, sales were up really significantly, as was profit. Now, we've got to say, these are all COVID-affected numbers. And in this case for Maya, the last year comparison was COVID-impacted. So the growth looks better than maybe it might have. That's the first thing we need to say. But store sales up 12.5%. And here's this. Their online sales, believe Maya, online sales up by a third. They now represent a quarter of Meyer's total sales. I don't think we'd think about Meyer and say, wow, great online retail business mm. happens to have some stores. But yeah, that was the story of, the, of what they managed to do. Profit was up a little bit, up even more when you exclude the JobKeeper payments. So the board and the management team doing as much as they can. I still think Meyer is kind of structurally damaged. I don't know who goes to Meyer in-store and for what these days, but they've got a brand, they've got stores, and their online business is firing. If they can keep that going, maybe, maybe, the death of Myra has uh, been exaggerated. Yeah, it's incredible. Another business bouncing back. Also, Scott's Virgin, thanks in part to surging airfares. Yeah, there's always a sting in the tail, isn't there? So Virgin, look, they delivered a $400 million loss for the last financial year. No surprise, planes not in the air. And then when they did get back in the air, surging oil prices meant the jet fuel, their second biggest cost, really hurt them. It turns out, though, that not only are they expecting a traffic to return to pre-COVID levels, it pretty much already has, but... There's also, uh, unfortunately, very high airfares, as anyone who's been travelling recently can tell you. And high airfares, as long as Qantas and Virgin don't blink and they kind of, let's say, cooperate on high affairs, not, not, not illegal, of course, uh, <laughs> then we will see that uh, profits for the airline remain high. And that's the key story here. So if they can manage to keep those airfares up, we're going to pay through the nose. But it is good news for the airlines and they are expecting to deliver a profit this year. This is interesting, always gets me really fired up with the big banks, Scott, and I'm glad you're talking about this. They seem to increase interest rates very, very quickly, but they drag their feet when it comes to increasing the rates for savings accounts. Yeah, I'm glad you're fired up, Tash, because you're right to be too. You know, it's, uh, I mean, look, again, you know, their business, they do as little as they have to and, you know, look after their shareholders, and I guess that's what we kind of expect them to do. The question, a little bit like the airlines just quietly, is the role for the competition regulator because, yep, as you say, took them, what, 24, 48 hours to, to whack up mortgage rates by the full amount. Most of the banks, not even all of them, have increased some of the savings rates. But here's the story. They publicise in big, bold letters, hey, we've increased our bonus saver interest rate to whatever the new rate is. But the at-call rates, the transaction account mm. rates, they've remained effectively, I think, entirely unchanged for all four of the big banks. So they get to say, look, we've done this with saving rate over here, and it's true, so nothing wrong with that. But when they don't pass it on across the board or in full, they're doing it to try and fatten up those margins. Now, as I said, again, businesses are entitled to do that, and they should if they can, but... You also would assume that with four big banks and about half a dozen or so minor and regional banks, there'd be a little bit more competition that actually would make a difference. Turns out, so far at least, it's not. Best advice is always to shop around. Some of the online-only guys are doing pretty good rates. Even Macquarie these days, jumping into the savings rate game. So, as always, the best advice is shop around, but it wouldn't be too hard, would it, for the banks to actually do the right thing and pass on a rate rise? <laughs> Indeed. Thanks so much, Scott. You have a lovely weekend. <laughs> and you. Thanks, Tash. 
Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. Brett, good morning. Well, as we mentioned earlier, the Fed Express, Roger Federer, the one and only, of course, one of the greatest to ever grace a tennis court, has announced his retirement. He is a superstar, isn't he? Absolutely. Good morning, Tash. Look, it had to happen eventually. The greats just can't keep playing forever. And at 41, injuries have finally caught up with Roger Federer, a 20-time Grand Slam winner. At one point, he was so far in front, you'd comfortably think he would be declared the greatest of all time. But then Rafael Nadal with 22 slams, Novak Djokovic with 21, have gone past him. And unfortunately, that will remain uh, the case. Now, while he has retired uh, from playing on the tour and also a Grand Slam level. He hasn't ruled out uh, hopping on a tennis court once again. In fact, he will play at the Labor Cup before officially uh, retiring in London uh, later this month. Here is Roger on his decision. I am 41 years old. I've played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt and now I must recognise when it is time to end my competitive career. And his great rival Rafael Nadal described it as a sad day for the sport. Yeah, he's an absolute champion. Uh, to the Wallabies now, not happy about this. They were robbed of a famous victory against the All Blacks last night and lots of controversy. Yeah, absolutely. 39 to 37, the final score in Melbourne. They were 18 points down at one stage, the Wallabies. Stormback took the lead in the with two minutes to go. And then uh, Bernard Foley was pinged for time wasting when the clock had actually stopped, uh, about to kick the ball out of play. That led to the All Blacks crossing for a late try. Coach Dave Rennie telling Nine, it's not the finish the test deserved. It lacks a little bit of feel for such an important moment in the game and you would have thought, kick it out and let's uh, play out the last couple of minutes. You ever seen anything like it? No. It means the All Blacks retain the Bledisloe Cup. Yeah, Brett, add it's footy finals time in both the AFL and NRL. Yeah, let's start with the AFL. It's prelim finals time tonight. We start with the Cats and the Lions at the MCG. Uh, Geelong is unchanged. Brisbane gets a couple of their tall timber back in Joe Danaher and Oscar McInerney. Uh, former Saints star Lee Montagna believes the Cats will prove too strong tonight. One of the best defences we've seen. We've spoken about the forward line. The midfield are prime. They've all been rested. I know Brisbane have had some good wins, but gee whiz, this would be some sort of upset. In the NRL, we've got a knockout final uh, between the Eels and the Raiders tonight. A lot of pressure on Parramatta. They've won just two of uh, nine finals dating back to 2017 under Brad Arthur. And uh, Wendell Saylor says it's all on the line for the Eels tonight. It's no good making the top four and then not getting past the second week of the finals. Mate, what do you play for? You play to play prelims and more so to win the grand final. But I think over the last probably eight or nine years he's been coaching, surely they should have got to a grand final. And we'll finish up with some boxing. Paul Gallon last night taking on two of his former Queensland sparring partners in Justin Hodges and Ben Hannon. He beat them both, not without some difficulty, though, on the same night on Nissan Arena uh, in Perth. Hannett took him the distance in four rounds, got that by unanimous points. He was then knocked down by Justin Hodges in the second round, got up and uh, a barrage of uh, shots... Um, sent uh, Hodges uh, while reeling in the third round. The referee stopped the fight. Justin Hodges wasn't happy, demanded an immediate rematch, and Paul Gallen has accepted. So his boxing career isn't quite over just yet. Yeah, massive weekend ahead in sport. Good luck to all the teams. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Tash. And how's this for a lovely Friday story? A 100-year-old woman has become one of the last people in Australia and possibly the world to receive a birthday letter from the late Queen Elizabeth II. Clara Dijenko was born in Ukraine and is a survivor of Stalin's regime and Nazi Germany. Clara turned 100 this week and received her letter from the Queen and has told Channel 7 the monarch has meant a lot to her since she first visited Australia, saying she will never forget the Queen's beautiful smile. Because uh, when I see her 
first time in Australia and she smile, love from her heart. Happy birthday and what a beautiful birthday present. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 7am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. We'll see you bright and early on Monday.